Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We thank each and every one of you for making the effort to listen to our our Big Ten football-specific podcast. Want to give a quick shout-out to... Any of our listeners, it might be one, it might be two, even if it is one. If there is one listener down in Florida in the affected areas, uh, this is a Big Ten regional podcast, so wouldn't, one wouldn't think we'd have a ton of listeners down there. Well, I can tell you, we do have a, a decent amount of listeners down there. Transplants probably from the Midwest. I can tell where every download comes from. Right. And we have listeners not only in every state, but throughout the world. I'm not even joking. It's pretty cool. Um, not cool is the images that are coming out of Hurricane Ian. Um, my wife is a, a big believer in uh, all things state of Florida, and uh, she goes down there a lot, uh, basically mm. considers it her second home. Um, as of two years ago, I had never been to Sanibel or Fort Myers, uh, yeah. but I've been to Sanibel, Fort Myers recently, Fort Myers just this spring. Uh, so there's familiarity to what that area looks like. Seeing the images and the videos of what Ian did is uh, horrific. It, it's awe-inspiring, but horrific. So anyways, just wanted to give a shout-out to, to anybody that's down there. I'd like to do that Sanibel someday. It's going to be a while. Is it? But I is it that right. bad? Yes. Okay. Uh, just getting in and off the island from the bridge. Well, I know you can't do that correct. anymore. I, I think there's... I think there's a bridge still alive down there, but I don't. Even, I don't even know. But anyways, I hope you can make it down there soon because I hope that means they rebuild somewhat quickly. Okay, I thought I thought it was just the one entranceway in and out of the island, right? I'm not sure. I think it was just it. the one. Okay. So I think you can't get there by road right now, which means there's people stranded on there, and it's just a crazy thing for that people that didn't evacuate. But uh, anybody, anyway, um, not just because of that, there was a lot of uh, amazing things that happened uh, leading up to this weekend and this weekend of college football. Um, you, had, you said you had a little bit of announcement. You want to do that now or you want well, to? Well, not an announcement. I just wanted to tell you something. I oh, tell okay. our, well, I want to tell our listeners something. You know that I am an avid endorsement, right? Correct. Okay. I'm going to tell you something I did. You're not going to believe it. I decided to do the opposite. I got invited to go. <laughs> To participate, this is not a joke, in a fishing tournament. Buster wants to fish. I went fishing on Lake Minnetonka, and I caught fish. What day? This was It was actually a work event okay. with one of our partners, like a okay. partner event. And so it was just no customers, just partner and my company just out having fun in, on a weekday, too, which is one of the reasons I did it, you know, just to kind of get away from emails. And I'm like, well, I just, you know, it'll be, I'll be on a boat. It'll be, you know, not unpleasant. I actually had a good time fishing. Good for you. Get, get this. Get this. I finished third place in the fishing <laughs> tournament. <laughs> of course you did. Isn't that amazing? First time fishing in your life or first time fishing in I mean, since a I was time. a long time. Since right. I was a kid. Like, right. little kid, too. Probably last time I fished, 10 years old, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and there's probably people listening to this podcast, especially Minnesotans. A lot of Iowans and, and Wisconsin people, too. You know, yeah. I, thinking of the fact that we're grown men. I like to consider ourselves somewhat manly men, right? You yes. know, love football, grunting, and drinking bourbon. Yep. We just don't fish, me and you. It's just not our thing. I wish I had film of one part of it because it was great unintentional humor. This fish is flopping around for the most part. So we went out with pros 
And for the most part, they would say, oh, do you want to un, you know, unhook the fish? And I'd say, I don't want to touch the damn thing. <laughs> and so they would take the fish off of the hook for you. Um, but one time it like flopped around and I grabbed the fish. And of course, you know, it, it, it's hard to grab a wet flopping fish. And so it flops on my hand and goes, no, you got to grab it by the mouth. And I grab like overhand over around the mouth. I'm like, what? And he's like, no, you idiot. And he shows me like how you put your thumb in the mouth and then hold it. And so then I held it up and took a picture. So I'll send you the picture. I should probably, I should probably post that on on Twitter. But one other thing I wanted to point out is that I'm calling this overreaction week or maybe like knee jerk reaction week or something like that, because we saw a lot of the stuff on Twitter and it's just fandom takes over, like your brain turns off, the only synopsis firing are the fandom synopsis. <laughs> and so you just think your team is better than they are, right? Then you lose, and now it, the, the, the season's over. We you, stink. You, uh, for two fan bases, you have literally wrote the script. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. And, and, and it can be shared around all all over the place so every fan base does this at some point but it's just it's interesting to sit back and watch it happen it is um i really want to try to comment on this without giving a holier than thou announcement but i think it's fair to say that me and you have gotten an appreciation of the other 13 teams in the big 10 not named Illinois for you or yep. Iowa for me. Once you start to get to know a the teams and then b the fans of the teams that that inform you of their team, you know they love their team as yep. much as we love ours. I believe it gives us a more holistic view. Yes, of the teams. I'm sorry, I don't want to sound, you know, conceited with well, that. And, and to go deeper into that, when we do our deep dives on the teams, I always find myself getting optimistic for every team in some Bingo. way. Bingo. And then I have to temper all of it because we're all trying to win football games here. Right. Right. And this was, and it's ironic that this is the first time we talk about it because this has been the first time that all seven, 14 teams yeah. were playing against each other it was seven versus seven uh, this past Saturday. So that's, that's definitely a great point. Um, I don't even know if you see it, but I do team rankings Yeah, right now. Uh, right now I have, Illinois fourth saw that. Yeah. And Maryland fans are chewing me because I have them in front of Maryland who I have fifth. <laughs> How dare you? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Flop, flop Maryland for the night. Sure. It's, it's fine. It really doesn't bother me. It's, it's not that big a <laughs> right. difference. Um, and another thing I would, I would throw out and I'll be completely honest with you. I, I am, I am handling it. Maybe not childlike, but maybe 20 year old Jeff like in that I put out free picks. To the universe, right? Yeah. Currently, I am 27 and 19 and 1 against the against spread. Against the spread. That's pretty good. That will get you a, a comped condo in Vegas right. if you go through with that. My picks are completely free. Yeah. I do them every Friday. I, I do them Wednesday nights, and then I release them <laughs> via Twitter on yep. Friday. You would think I am personally reaching into their fandom, like inside their home. Like I'm in their living room. Yeah slapping them across the face because I have the audacity to not pick their team to win by nine touchdowns. Sure. But the thing is, is like my picks are pretty accurate (laughs) and like nobody is great. Nobody's perfect at this because that's literally impossible. And then I sometimes save the receipt for somebody that's chewing on me and I send it back to them after the contest is over. Uh, One would be 
and again, this is petty, but a, a, an individual named Brody, an Ohio State fan, <laughs> that that was just appalled that I only picked Ohio State to win forty nine to thirteen, and that was almost the exact I score. Almost freaking nailed the score. It was forty nine to ten. You just gave Rutgers a little too much credit, as, as it turns well, out. Well, what he was amazed by is that you really think Ohio State's only going to score 49 points after scoring 52 versus Wisconsin? And we're going like, to get there. I'm like, there's a reason they didn't score And, and the other thing, too, points. is sometimes you don't score as many points because there's just not a need to score as many points. You only have it, to it, win by one. So when you're up by five <laughs> touchdowns, sometimes, sometimes offenses, you, they tend to bring in other players. Sometimes you, you pump the brakes, you call off the dogs a little bit. But speaking of being perfect. Yes. Good transition here. Our guy DS went into the Indiana Nebraska game. I I I know he was six and zero straight up, which is which is uh, predicting two, two upsets. Two upsets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was six and zero against the spread, and there were Minnesota fans chewing on DS. Poor guy isn't even on Twitter. <laughs> he doesn't even know it was happening. That's the best part. Because uh, he picked Purdue. I got chewed on a little bit just because, what? again, I had the audacity to pick Purdue in 12 and a half points. I, I I had watched the Purdue football team, and I'm like, this is a better team than people realize. Right, right, right. So I thought it would be a, a tough game for Minnesota. Well, And I love and I, that they're chewing on him because he's a Purdue fan. Well, he, he predicted them losing at Syracuse. Which was also correct. Yes. So that's a case of a guy. Syracuse 5-0, oh, by the way. Right. Oh, I know. And that's a case of a guy knowing his Purdue team, both the strengths and weaknesses. Correct. Because us fans know the personality of a coach and how it reflects to our team and stuff like that. So I hope people enjoyed that conversation. I hope that I hope that whole thing didn't come off as like condescending and boorish from us. Uh, speaking of crazy, um, here's my line. For years and years and years, decade at least, college football fans have been asking for parity. Mm. I believe we are in the quote unquote period of parody and nobody can handle it because <laughs> it's not just the big 10. And I've been saying for years, parody is a good thing for college football. There wasn't enough of it. There wasn't nearly enough of it. And I, it is hard, especially when obviously your team is losing um, or just loses. It <laughs> uh, doesn't have to be multiple. Um, uh, with that being said, you have to, I hope more people are sitting back and enjoying other football games instead of just the one that their team plays in. That would be right. what I would suggest is look around, maybe watching other teams. It will make you feel better about your team because for example, you could look at Clemson NC state and be like, well, those are good teams, but there's flaws sure. with, with oh, yeah. both teams, 10 ranked teams lost that, yesterday. That's amazing. That's like 2007 ish. It is 2007 ish. And we could have had 2007 in, on steroids if Mizzou beat Georgia. Yeah, and I know there was a, a little shenanigans that was going on there from the refereeing crew. I, I didn't get a chance to go look closely at it, but I saw one false start that didn't – clear false start did not get called against Georgia, and I think they got a first down, a key first down, I believe, yeah. next to the goal line. There, it, it wasn't overt, but it was implied mm -hmm. that the – Maybe the conference of the southeast in the southeastern region would rather see Georgia win that game as opposed to two and two Missouri pulling it out. And of course, the joke was that everybody was doing. I was adding onto it. Well, it's going to be great to see Missouri being ranked next week, and you could see them. You know, like 
Maybe they were ranked if, even if they lost. Because by God, Kurt, if you if you challenge the mighty Georgia Bulldogs, aren't you one of the best twenty five teams in the conference Have in the be. country? If you don't get blown out, must uh, be. Washington. That was on Friday night. Arkansas, Kentucky, NC State, Baylor, Texas A and M. What a fraud! Texas A and M has been the entire year. There, not just this team. That program's been a fraud. It is a fraud. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota, Florida State, Pittsburgh. And maybe the biggest one yesterday was Oklahoma. Shout out to Big Game Boomer. Getting absolutely depanced <laughs> by a mediocre TCU team. Yeah. It was uh, ugly. It was ugly. Something I pointed out before we started recording. Even Big Ten fans, which is annoying to me, and I think anybody that follows me or listens to me or whatever probably pick up on this. It annoys me when Big Ten East fans take so much pride in shatting on the Big Ten West. Now, the Big Ten West deserves some shatting. For sure. But look at the Big 12. That is an entire conference of the Big Ten West. And Because when, when yeah. Oklahoma is getting, who, who is supposed to be your shining beacon of a program, when it's getting murdered two weeks in a row, Yep. and uh, uh, Kansas... And Kansas State are sitting atop your conference. I like Kansas. Don't get me wrong. Kansas State is an interesting story. Adrian Martinez is the quarterback. But they, they lost a non-conference game to Marshall, I believe it was. Mm, yeah. So doesn't doesn't that kind of point at mediocrity and... and For sure. I mean, you're bringing up parody. great points here. There, I, I think... You know, even if you look at the top four teams in the country, which I think everyone pretty much agrees is Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. I don't none of them jump out as as dominant as we you are used to seeing. OK, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Let me say this right now, in my opinion, Ohio State is on a ledge by itself. Okay. I believe Alabama has looked susceptible. Yep, for sure. Georgia two weeks in a row. Yeah. They had to squeak it out versus Kent freaking state. The, I'm just, that's a thing. <laughs> of course. That's a thing. A a fellow uh, a prognosticator of mine, he put money on Georgia to cover the 30. Tons of people dead, by the yeah. way. My spidey sense was going off by the middle of the day. I'm like, there's something about that game that I don't like. And I, I stayed away. I didn't do anything mm-hmm. with it. Point being is, is... We thought Georgia was up at that level. They're 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 not. Uh, Bama, they lost their Heisman Trophy quarterback. We don't know for how long. Maybe it's just a week or two. Yep. They look different. Um, Clemson is. Long story short, is and I think you're already saying this, but I just want to take it a step further. You tell me if you agree. But like Georgia last year, LSU three years yep. ago, they're they're Alabama two years ago. Yep. The, when the teams were elite, they they were a, a planetary, like in a different solar system. Yeah. like everyone, That's what I feel like we don't have this year. We don't have that at all. I believe teams are going into playing some of these top four or five teams. They're like, we got a shot here. You know, I'm going to say something that I may end up regretting. This is like a year where a 12-team playoff would be probably really interesting. And I have seen that chatter, chatter um, on Twitter. It's it's hard to discount it completely. I know. Now, I still think the undercard games would be the better games. The more Probably entertaining yes. games. Yeah. The, like most years, there's going to be two, if not three teams that are just going to be above. But this year, it doesn't seem that way and it would right. be interesting. But I do want to give Ohio State kind of a special shout out there. 
All right, we haven't even gotten into the games yet. You ready to do that? Remember, I will do the opposite. Okay. <laughs> if every instinct yeah. I've ever had was wrong, then the opposite would have you, to be right. You don't know how great you're leading me into the last thing I want <laughs> okay. to say. Okay. And I'm, I'm just going to say, here's my notes at the bottom. Okay. And, and I, and right. I'm going to have a little fun at your expense. Good. And I, th- I please, think you will enjoy please it. Please do. All right, moving into the games. These all happened this Saturday. October 1st. First game up, Michigan 27, Iowa 14. The Wolverines with 327 yards of total offense to the Hawks 281. Big Kurt, have you ever heard the the expression that teams improve the most from game one to game two? Yes. I believe that is what's happening to Michigan here. Mm -hmm. It's just that their game one didn't happen until week four. And their game two didn't happen until week five, meaning their first game of the year was against Maryland. I believe they improved, namely their quarterback, and it showed up on game two, which was this Saturday in Kinnick. Does any of that hit hit home with you? Okay, so you think McCarthy took a big step forward? I mean, I I think the whole I think the whole team did, but but mostly JJ McCarthy. It was his first big boy moment against Maryland. He didn't look good. You know, once upon a time, khaki pants, Jim Harbaugh, was known to be quite the quarterback whisperer. Yeah. I think he did some really good whispering this week on what was expected out of JJ going into an environment like Kinnick and what they needed from him. And I felt that he passed it with flying colors. I know the the, the numbers don't pop out the table to you. Uh, pop off the page here. 18 to 24, 155 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Okay. He didn't have many rushing yards either. See, that's However, what I want to talk about, but go keep going. Okay. Blake Corum was the man in this game. He was the man in this game. Uh, 29 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown. He was the focal point of the offense. Don't get me wrong. But. To keep that offense on schedule and balanced, you still needed a guy completing second and long plays and third and long plays. Yep. He did that. He was a chain mover and most importantly, not a mistake maker. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that was a huge step up for not only JJ McCarthy, but obviously this this entire team. Yep. He had a fumble, but they didn't lose it. I want to see JJ McCarthy. Like he has he had that rollout for the touchdown, right? And we've seen that in other games. I think it was the Maryland game he did that too. I want to see them getting moving him because that seem he seems to excel when he does that. I agree. Um, maybe there's a little bit of maturation process that you're trying to do, keeping him in the pocket before yeah. he does stuff like that. I thought they would incorporate much more of just him running the ball yeah. in this game. Right. Um, maybe they just thought that I will that was something I was going to focus on. Iowa still I think has got a good front seven and is and is good against that type of of game plan. I don't know, but long story short, what they needed to get out of this offense going against that defense in that setting, I think they got it. I mean, they were up 13 to nothing at halftime and 20 nothing were... at one point in this game. I mean, right. to be to be honest, I think the score doesn't indicate how how well they played. I'm cuz cuz um, I would also scored with what eight seconds left right. in the game or something right. like that. I mean, this this, this was, was a, a twenty-seven to seven. Game. This was a they coasted to an easy victory here. And by the way, getting three hundred twenty-seven yards against this defense that alone impressed me. I agree. I, I mean, and, and I, I feel like I'm standing up for both. I feel like I'm standing up for three entities breaking down this game. 
Michigan, Iowa, and the Big Ten. This is a good win for Michigan. And think about it's at Kinnick. We know the history there. Most of those upsets that were talked about quite a bit on Fox and Big Ten Network leading up to the game, most of those upsets were late afternoon and night games. This was an 11 o'clock game. I don't, by the way, I don't know the science behind why a crowd and stadium is so much more electric at night. Somebody needs to do like a psychological study. Just more booze. (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) Maybe that's... I mean, maybe you just now, did the study. Now in college, we were fine at 11 a.m. with yeah. the booze. We were still fine. We started. Yeah. We would crack it open at 8 a.m. On, on game day. But the 30 and 40 year olds, they they need yeah. time to lather up. That could be it. That could be it. I'm just saying that it did lack a little bit of juice. Yeah, as what most of these games are. But Donovan Edwards being back, by the way, that was huge. Just having him as a gadget in yep. the offense is a big deal. Um, the receivers were fine. I mean, overall, I think the off the Iowa defense did very well. But long story short, I wanted to start talking with the positives of Michigan before we talked yeah. about Iowa because I, I still feel like there are people saying, well, Michigan isn't very good. I don't know, man. I think Michigan is pretty damn good. I think they're pretty damn good. I mean, I guess you could say, well, look at this. Spencer Petrus actually had a serviceable game here. 21 of 31, one touchdown, no INTs. But I, I've kind of been predicting we're going to see a regression to the mean. They can't be that bad on offense all year long, and we're seeing them improve. this. And I don't think it's because they played Michigan and Michigan isn't good on defense. I, I think we're seeing Iowa improving on offense, not Michigan not playing good defense. So now enters into the awkward part for me every week on how this is unfurling itself this year. Um, after the game, Kirk Ferentz said, I saw improvement out of our team. That quote was put out by I'm not sure who, and Iowa fans just absolutely lambasted Ference for that. I disagree. I yeah. did. I have seen improvements with yes. the Iowa offense three consecutive weeks. Yes. Um, the rushing totals weren't great. No. The totals weren't great, but the running backs had 66 yards on 20 carries. There was, there was, there was yards to be had with the Iowa rushing attack. The Iowa offensive line is improving. It's not. Great, but it is improving. Um, Petrus, let me get to that. The The defense was great, but they're just out there too long. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. It, I, I, Kurt, there were people on Twitter, you can't just give the defense a, a pass. They look like crap today. It makes me want to no, I tear my eyeballs out. And the other thing, they're like, I agree that Michigan's offensive line was having success against Iowa's defensive line. You you want to know why that is? Probably because they're really good. It's probably <laughs> the best offensive line in college football. Right. And and by the way, the offense is supposed to score points. That's how a football game is supposed to go. The, the it's whole, not supposed to be 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> the, that and the whole part of complimentary football is that your offense stays off. Your offense is on the field long enough to keep your defensive rest defense rested. Our offense is not doing that. Okay. And another thing that I'm, it's just a hill I'm dying on. Iowa fans pride themselves offensive line connoisseurs. Yes. Obviously our head coach feels the same. Typically the Iowa offensive line is poetic. It's not. Or or, no. or or there's four people playing in the symphony, and then you got one guy playing like, right. you know, like 
that's how it's been. With right. that being said, and, and again, this is the hill I'm dying on. I I don't think it's a bad offensive line. I think it's a mediocre to decent offensive line. Okay. That is made to look worse because QB7 cannot avoid a rush no. to save his life. No. He does not have the agility, nor, Kurt, does he have the strength to just pull away from an arm tackle. That's the one thing Nate Stanley could bring to the table. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to get outside in Lamar Jackson yet, but he could just not go down or just get break loose of a tackler because he was so strong and keep a play alive. Our running backs are doing a much better job of not taking negative plays. Our quarterback is as bad, if not worse. And it just blows my mind that more fans can't understand that there are a lot of offensive lines in college football. I would bet, Kurt, 70% of the offensive lines in college football have a weak link on their offensive line or just have mediocre pass pro. You have to expect your quarterback to have the athletic ability to sense pressure, get outside the pocket, reset his legs and make a throw, or take off with the ball and go run it. Which he cannot do. I cannot fathom how people are watching this offense and can't put that together. Right. I, I, I can't let it go. So Mike Morris had a couple sacks on the day for Michigan. Michigan Michigan overall had five sacks on the day, so that's good for Michigan. Most no. of them came late in the game. I think literally three of them came on one drive at the okay. end of the game. So it, it was it, – it, it was – I don't even know how to say it. I, I, see, I'm in an uncomfortable spot because – Everybody knows I'm an Iowa fan and I love this program. Okay. I don't, and on top of it, I don't want to, I don't want to talk bad about any individual player. I'm talking across the big 10 and it hurts even more when it's that person's wearing black and gold. Yeah. It's just, I don't know how to avoid this. No, you, you have to, you, you can't, (laughs) there's only one QB. Like you can say the offensive line played bad and there's five of them and you don't have to name anybody. But if you're talking about the quarterback, we know who you're talking about. Anyways, um, anything else here? No, I think it's, yeah, is that good? but I, I am, I, I am, I'm saying right now, I think this was a good Michigan victory, not a bad Iowa loss. Yes. I agree. Just, just how I feel. With the win, Michigan moves to five and zero. with the lost Iowa drops to three and two. Last thing on this game, Michigan was the better team. They win this game probably nine out of 10 times. Yeah. The rest were horrible. When I have Michigan fans reaching out to me, three different DMs and one tweet that is like, hey, I just want you to know a couple of these calls are, are questionable, which is a essentially a guarded way of saying that's a that's a shit call. There was there was a there was quite a few of them in this game. And by the way, this is the same crew that did the Michigan Nebraska game last oh, year. Oh, really? Well, Anyways. There's a little bit of a history with, with one team in the Big Ten maybe getting more calls in their favor than against them. And they might have played in this game. Potentially. Yeah. Next game up. Speaking of pain and things. Purdue 20, Minnesota 10. The Boilermakers with 359 yards of total offense to the Gophers. 304. Kurt, that snapping sound you heard was Gopher fans 
deleting this podcast. <laughs> it even hits the so download. So wait a second here. I'm, I'm going to put a pause I on know. This. this. So you're are gonna, you you're gonna, saying you're going to beat me to my point here? That Purdue is actually a team that you can't just roll out your helmets against. Is that what we're saying? Are are we saying that Purdue is a Big Ten football team that's pretty good at playing football, and they're they're in the West, they're a rival, and that maybe. You have to be prepared to play a team like this. One of the comments this week was, if we don't Purdue, beat Purdue by three touchdowns, I'll consider it a bad show. I, I couldn't even believe what I was reading. <laughs> like, come on. It, it, and the other thing I would throw out is, so Purdue is now three and two, okay? Their two losses are to Penn State and Syracuse. Do you know what Penn State and Syracuse combined record is? 10 and 0. And I don't think it's crazy to say they could have beat could Either be, one, if I know. not both of those teams. I know it. Like, it, the the Purdue getting 12 and a half points in the game, I, I didn't think it was preposterous. I just thought it was like, I thought it was going to be like Minnesota by about a touchdown. Here's the one thing I can say that, that kind of supports that position that, that we saw from some Minnesota fans, is that PJ has had Tom Brown like Tom's number since he's been, but at not Minnesota. blowing him out. But well, yeah, the one there was the one time up, okay. maybe twenty eighteen. Been a while, been a tick. Yeah, it's it's been a tick. But but yeah, he's so okay. Maybe maybe there's that, but that's only a maybe. Like this is a team, and and I'm gonna say it right now, Purdue. Their defense. I'm just gonna call them a no name defense. You can go down this. Defense and there's just no no big names that were really. I mean, Corey and they've Trice. Had, I they've like, had quote unquote names leave the defense with injury. Yes, looks the same. Looks the same. They lose players. They lose defensive coordinators. It looks the same. I mean, Fakasiki, Hockey Wookie. I don't even know how to say his name. Hampton, Dean, Kane, Wahlberg, Allen, Jenkins. These are not names. These that, aren't names Big Ten fans know. No, but they are names that are making plays. It's unbelievable. It's incredible, man. It, they're. It, they're we, it's, you know, we famously made fun of their three-headed monster at, at defensive coordinator, and then the, you know, the big guy that we, we think was really in charge leaves, doesn't even, you can't even tell. Um, I did not take Purdue in the points in this game. I did take the under fifty-three. Okay. And I cannot. I talked to so many people during the week about college football and Big Ten football. I honestly forget who I talked to about what. But there was somebody I said this was one of my games I liked, and they're like, "What?" You know, like thinking this was going to be a shootout. And I, I just was bullish. I'm like, these are two really good defenses. Fifty three sure, yes. points is is just too much for me. I didn't think it would be quite this low scoring. In honesty, this. This very much looked like the game I thought it would be, which was a tight game that, honestly, I thought Minnesota would just pull out because yeah. Tanner Morgan has that much control of the offense in his 12th year on the squad. And then, whoops, three interceptions. And, but, the, the Mo injury, Mo Ibrahim injury, yeah. it, okay. it, it can't be overstated too much. Like, the, the, the Minnesota running backs in this game, they – they seem to be a bit apprehensive is the best word I can come up with. I think Mo is that tone setter for the entire team, definitely the offense and the running back and running backs. Not having him out there was just a it was just a blow to people. Like my well, guess is his teammates were like, I know Mo's got a dinged up ankle, but it's Mo. He's gonna show up because that right. what that's what Mo does. And maybe at some point Friday or Saturday, they just said Mo can't go. And everybody just like, 
Yeah. And the team was like, what? Oops, I crapped my pants. They only had 20 carries for running backs in this game from Minnesota, which is unusual. This is not the game that Minnesota wanted to play. First of all, 359 yards against the Minnesota defense is pretty damn good. AOC comes back and plays, does enough. Doesn't have a great game, but does enough to get it done. The thing that jumps out, 160 rushing yards for Purdue. This is Purdue that ran for 160 yards against this Minnesota defense. And Minnesota on the other side only had 47 yards rushing. This is not the game that P.J. wanted to play at all. When I said this was somewhat the game I expected, I didn't expect that at all. If going into this game, you know, uh, the ghost of college football future came back before kickoff and said, Aiden O'Connell is going to throw two interceptions and one of the teams is going to have 160 rushing yards to the other one having 47. Oh, Minnesota wins easily. <laughs> in this. And and again, time of possession. Purdue won the time of possession. That doesn't normally happen. It PJ always wins time of possession. It was, the, this was an impressive victory by Purdue. I mean, Purdue is just a dangerous football team. I, I can't imagine anybody in the conference wanting to play Purdue. And, and the no. thing is, is, you know, talking about fan bases that, you know, on and off the ledge, Purdue fans wanted to jump off the ledge after that Syracuse game. Two excruciating losses in three weeks to yep. Penn State and Syracuse. Now sitting at three and two, they're like, dude, we can get to Indy. So I'm just saying there's a lesson there. That same lesson needs to be applied yep. to Minnesota fans. I am... I am shocked at how many Minnesota fans, obviously I know a ton of Minnesota fans, we live in Minnesota, texted me, DM'd me, like, this is killing me, I'm dying. And I kind of would be like, you guys need to get used to being college football fans. Like, this this is how this goes, you know? They're idle next By the way, they're tied for first in the West. Well, everybody is. Except for one. (laughs) Except for one. We'll get there. Um, And one more thing about Minnesota. So they didn't get a lot out of the running backs. They didn't get a lot of the wide receivers. The wide receivers combined yesterday had nine catches. Only two wide receivers caught passes. They we, they, Daniel, we just need to see more. Daniel Jackson did great. Um, Daniel Jackson and, and BSF, nine catches, 163 yards. A couple things we need to reset in this game. Some huge plays. Some huge decisions. Uh, number yeah. one, PGA going for it on fourth and short early in the game on deep inside. I mean, I think it was like the 32. What, what was he thinking? I don't know. I like that's just, hubris. I'm watching two games at once. This was my number two game. I was watching Iowa first and I glance over and, and like, because you're not following the game exclusively, I, I look over and, and I'm like, Oh, fourth and one. Wait. And, and I'm like, yeah, it's not registering. Fourth, sure. And, no, and, and the ball snapped, and I'm like, no, he did, he did, <laughs> and 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 it and it, so, and it led directly to a Purdue field goal. I think that made it ten to nothing. I what? I don't know. Like, okay, I so I'll tell early. you what it was. That encapsulates what Minnesota fandom was doing. Yes, yeah. Like it was just hubris. Like just play by the book. You're getting too confident, man. It was you a just, little hubristic yeah. views on the college football world. You just don't do that, no matter how good you are. You have, Why to would sense, you... you have to sense the fact that you're not playing a bad SWAC team or a ailing Sparty yeah. team. Like, this is going to be a different game. And your special teams have been playing pretty good. Punt, yeah. it, punt it away. Right. Dude, it was, that was crazy. The other thing, too, is... Sorry, Michael Brown-Stevens, but, my, you know, that's that ball hit him right between the two and the two. Uh, bounced off interception, Purdue. Those are just 
Dude, those well, are backbreakers. Okay, but that gets you back to the the fourth and one call. That's a that's a momentum shifter. It was a gigantic momentum shifter. I mean, you saw Purdue sidelines just erupt. Yes. Yeah. And um, okay, so you get it. Fine, you still got seventy yards to go for a touchdown. Just punt the damn ball away. I mean, Minnesota did a good job on Charlie Jones too. Six catches, fifty-five yards. Devin Mockaby, freshman yes, running thank back. Thank you, Devin Mockaby. Eleven carries, one hundred and twelve yards, and a touchdown. He's listed like six foot one ninety-five in the program. Uh-huh. He's a lot thicker than that, man. That, yeah, he's. I mean, he's I a think grown-ass they, man as a freshman. They found something with this guy. He's good. Yeah, they got a good running back. Love um, it. no, speaking of good running backs, just a quick annoyance. Bud Elliott with the Cover Three podcast. <laughs> he he said. Basically, Mo being out of this game, does it really make that big of a difference? Oh, my Lord. Is this a guy that is really going to play on Sundays? What? That's what he said. He said that? He has an overall, he's such a nerd. He has an overall just like, unless you're a a once a generation running back, you make no difference on the football game. No. I mean, that's ridiculous. Obviously, Mo is like, I don't know if you'd call him the heart and soul of the team, but it, no, he does. He kind of is like I the team, is. the team, he, he defines the, the rest of the team pretty much. Like they, he sets the tone. It, it sounds like a take from somebody that's never worn a jock that doesn't understand how it's like inside a locker room and with team leaders and stuff like that. When coaches talk about team leaders and guys stepping up and things like that, they're not saying it just for coach speak. It's a tangible thing. I don't want to make this sound like Purdue won this game by by 10 points, okay? By the way, shout out to Minnesota's defense. I'd like to say that too. Like they kept Minnesota the in this game the yeah. whole time like um um but long story short is like Purdue deserved to win this game. They were the better team. But but pretending like somebody mo like mo not playing in this game it makes no difference whatsoever is it's a clown take. I get that you can make things work without great running backs. I agree with that, but you still want a great running back. Uh, and and the whole other point is Mo's a great running back. Yes. That's the other thing I'd like to say. So, <clears throat> all right, moving on. Uh, with the win, Purdue moves to three and two. With the loss, Minnesota falls to four and one. Next game up, Ohio State 49, Rutgers 10. The Buckeyes with 413 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights. 187. Uh, the the fireworks in this game were Rutgers jumping out to a seven nothing lead. Things didn't go quite great for him after that. And then deep in the game, we had fireworks again, where a not so classy fake done by Ryan Day, mm-hmm. Greg Schiano, and the coaching staff. That was took, dude. It was that was interesting. I, I replayed that like five times it was like it was spicy there at the end i mean it was like i don't know if you've ever seen that video of like the two guys in new york city like they don't fight each other they just point in each other's faces <laughs> i'm not sure i have seen that but and then they give a finger right and they point that was basically oh, yeah maybe I, that is what i'm gonna that was now. basically day in shiano anyways um they, they they hugged it out after the game and by the way i think day there's a there's a um a microphone that was pretty close to day he basically said my bad. Shouldn't have done that. Really? So I I, I like both of these coaches. Yeah, I do too. To you know what I think? I think they're both uber competitive. I just, I have this feeling. And I think the heat of the moment got sure. to them a little bit. All right. Ohio State. Um, you start with, you, you start with the Mesoamerican. 
The Mis- My- yes, indeed. <laughs> the Mesoamerican. That's what we're going to stick with, I think, here. Running back Mayan Williams, 21 carries, 189 yards, five touchdowns. The thing I wanted to say is it seemed like Ryan Day wanted to make a point in the offseason to say, we need to have a more physical yeah. rushing attack. I think when people, when that's said, I think a lot of people then picture the offensive line, which obviously is a part of it. But you know what helps to have a physical rushing attack? A little a bowling ball. running back. Yeah. And that's what Mayan Williams is. The dude's a little, he's a bowling ball. He's a little Mo Ibrahim, isn't he? He's Mo Ibrahim. He's Ibrahim. Yeah. yeah. The Mesoamerican um, busted out a long one. I think it was like 70 yards. It just all of a sudden parting of the Red Sea and he was gone. And I think five touchdowns does it tie an OSU record, I believe, for, for rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I, really. think. Okay. I think so. I could uh, be wrong about that. CJ Stroud's stats, 13 of 22, 154 yards, two touchdowns. That's, I don't even have to look it up. I guarantee that's the lowest yard total that he's put out since he's the yeah, starting quarterback. But I... But to your point, I think what they wanted to do is they want to lean on the running game right now and get some some reps under their their belt, right? Yeah, um, you don't you don't need to like you said you don't need to win by seventy. You're comfortably winning this game. Just run the ball. And I think it's just I think it's what defenses are giving them. Like de- yeah, like, that's so probably true too. Not to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but I think what Ohio or Rutgers did on defense was what I was pointing out, which is let them have bigger plays in the rushing ta- attack or short passing game. Sure. Just don't do whatever you can to not give up the big splash plays, get them into the red zone and see if you can make them kick a field goal, which by the way, you have to give Rutgers defense a little bit of credit here, dude. I'm going to give the whole Rutgers team some okay. credit All here. Right. So I, anyways, long story short, I do think that's what's leading towards, you know, the really good stats for rushing. Um, Amika Buka, he had another good game too, but switching over to Rutgers, like, Part of the reason I took Rutgers to cover the 40, which, by the way, <laughs> barely they did. They did. <laughs> they covered at 39, yeah. um, is because Seattle just, he does not care who he's playing. He could be playing the 2000 Ravens. He's going to go, he's going to go play to win that game and they're going to keep fighting. So this is a spicy Rutgers team that is going to try to put punch you in the mouth. They, they try to do it. I did think the Rutgers defense looked pretty good. Like they're 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 back seven is I think if you're playing this team and it doesn't look like a video game in the passing game, you're doing something right. That 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 is that is a fair point. Yeah. There is a fair point. Um Samuel Brown, fifteen carries, seventy nine yards. That's a five point three yard average yep. for the running back. Evan Simon, not not crazy stats. I still love that guy's toughness. I don't know. Call me crazy, long story short. I, I, I think Rutgers showed out pretty decent in this I, game. Even though they got beat by I know it's points. hard. It's, I can't picture it. I that I mean that I mean that with as much respect to both Ohio State and Rutgers as I can. I guess I right. Know. I know. So no Traven Henderson in the game. No yep. Jackson Smith and Jigba in the game. And they still scored forty nine. And they still scored forty nine. And, and it's just like man, you just get those guys rested. So, it sucks because JSN is not having the super duper all American year that yeah. he wanted yeah. to have. But in the end. If he gets healthy at the end of the year and they go into the college football playoff and he's feeling juicy, yeah, I think you I think you take how this went down. Ohio State only one sack on the game. Yeah, but overall, I I mean only 174 yards for the Scarlet Knights. That's a good this, point. This, yeah, it, it honestly I believe this is a Ohio State defense that is it's getting a little bit better every week. You know, this is a theme we keep pointing this out again. Ten penalties on Rutgers. Yeah. Lots of penalties in the Big Ten. He's got a – I expect more out of him. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm in that Maybe area. Maybe some of it is just getting grabby on defense because it, yeah. it helps. It does. <laughs> I would Anybody that plays Ohio State, I would recommend getting grabby. Yeah. <laughs> with the win, Ohio State moves to 5-0. and With the loss, Rutgers falls to 3-2. and The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel Asian technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sip neat or is perfect for classic bourbon cocktails. Just like your favorite go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador on Twitter and check out our new website and finder options so you can see where to find Amador at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving into the afternoon, Penn State 17, Northwestern 7. Say what? The Nittany Lions with 360 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 241. Listen, both teams play in the same conditions, okay? Yeah. I recognize that. But you can't tell me that the monsoon that they were playing in (laughs) didn't have a little bit of something to do in this game. doesn't Northwestern drag you down into the mud? (laughs) They did figuratively, and... There were eight turnovers in this game. I, nobody could hold on to the ball. It was it, just squirting out everywhere. And then you got two freshman running backs for Penn State. Like, I mean, honestly, you look at the, the quarterback uh, um, stats. There was two picks total. Clifford and Halinski both had one apiece. Honestly, it was a pretty good statistical showing for, for both of them. Because Dude, they I, didn't... I agree. Okay. I was impressed with both passing game. 210 yards for Halinski and even 140 for Clifford is impressive in those conditions. You, It could not have been raining harder. It, I, it's I mean, not even possible. Like, it was it was biblical. It was, was it was biblical, yes. So, like, honestly, like, this will be the game. I'm sorry, Penn State and Northwestern fans. We're already going a little bit long, but, like, there's just not a ton to pull out of this game. No, is I mean, bas- so basically, what is it? What is it reduced to? Who's going to run the ball better, right? Because you, you're not going to pass up and down the field. You know, those again, that was impressive, but still, it's not a. It wasn't a ton of passing that went on in the game. Thirty-one rushing yards for Northwestern, two hundred twenty for Penn State. That's the game, right? That's there. the game. I mean, literally, that you just broke down the game. Nick Singleton and Katrina Allen, almost identical yards, eighty-seven and eighty-six yards, uh, three-point-eight yard average for Penn State, a one-point-one yard average for Northwestern. Um, Playing against Northwestern, a good defense knows that it needs to shut down the rushing attack and make Holinsky and the athletes on the outside beat you. Yeah. It was that on steroids when you factor in the game being like yeah. this. So, you know what you have to say, though? Shout out to Penn State for having developed their O-line and recruit at the running back spot. Absolutely. Because teams of Penn State past, maybe like just as recently as last year, I don't know if they win this game Correct. by 10 points. I don't know if they win the game, period. So Penn State deserves credit for having that that running back room to fall back on to go ahead and get the win. Yeah. Now, I will say Northwestern, they kept battling. It did look a little Northwestern-y. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, Evan Hall, 11 yeah. carries, 45 yards. Donnie Navarro, the Illinois transfer, led them receiving 55 yards on four receptions. Jacob Gale had a nice 47-yard touchdown. Parker reception. Washington, a decent day. It just was what it was. Yeah. With the win, Penn State moves to 5-0 and with the loss. Northwestern falls to 1-4. and Next game up, Maryland 27, Michigan State 
13. This game went way under the total. The Terps with 489 yards of total offense to Sparty's 321. Start out with the winning team, Maryland. They look good. That would be the way I put it. <laughs> well, okay, hold that, on. That's a, that's a little bit of Anchorman question mark. Okay, but they come out of the gate 14-zip, right? They scored right away, which, by the way, there's such, such a locks thing, right? And so, I don't know. They get a that's little... the prop bet I want to take every Maryland. Totally. They're going to get out to a 7 nothing lead. So or, I... or score on their first possession would be the prop bet I want to make every game. So is it maybe, is it partly they got a little comfortable? Like, okay, it's Michigan State. They're, we, we think we should be able to. Um, I mean, because Michigan oh State's defense is just. Yeah, it's it's, it's hot it's garbage. Doo-doo. It's doo-doo. Um I don't completely agree with that. To me, it was the offense pretty much looking good the entire game. But, like, I mean, they had four plays at the one-yard line, and they got zero points out of that. Yeah, Like, the most improbable goal line stand when you consider (laughs) the defense and the offense. Um, There was that. There was penalties and turnovers, getting them out of points and field goal range, stuff like that. Like, Well, that's that's always going to happen, isn't it? I think Lox has definitely improved as an overall coach. The oh, program, he, absolutely. Everything looks no, no doubt. better, but like, it's not so much their defense that's going to cost them in big games. It's inopportune penalties, a little bit with turnovers, and just, just general sloppiness. Like, they yeah. should have... So, so truth be told, I had some shekels on Maryland to cover here, okay? This game should not have been iffy in the fourth quarter. Maryland should have had this put away with 10 minutes okay. to go in the game. Okay. But but Michigan State was hanging around. And Michigan State looked better, too. Okay, they deserve some credit here. But I... I okay. They looked better? <laughs> okay. Because they scored zero points in the second half. Yeah. It, it, this is a team has to lean on their offense because their defense is so bad and they it can't they can't come up with and I like Maryland's defense but zero points for for the half it's bad uh, yeah um Leah Tug of Viola 32 of 41 314 yards and a touchdown became the all-time leader in passing at Maryland so congrats to did Leah. he really yes he did I didn't notice that another thing that Leah loves to do 10 receivers caught balls in this game that dude spreads it around like a like a like a lawn <laughs> so that it waters lawn i don't know i can't i'm not that's like a sprinkler there Jesus, you go um so a good point there we have been talking about roman hemby antoine littleton dude shows out 19 yeah. carries 120 yards and touchdown they got a nice one two punch back there dude, and we didn't absolutely we team didn't rushing a, 175 yards man five five yards a carry look if you go down the stat lines they won the first downs they won uh, third down efficiency. They won total yards. They won passing yards. They won rushing yards. They won time of possession. There was no turnovers by either team. They won in almost every category except penalties. Yep. And it held them back. It's holding them back. It is holding them back. Um, uh, team rushing for Michigan State. Okay. 22 carries, 100 yards. It's a 4.5 yard average. I meant to reach out to SRS and Dougie like, why didn't they lean on the rushing attack more? It, it was working. Yep. Like, I, and I'm you not know saying what? it was just busting off big yards, but like it was there. And I, I, I was not impressed with the overall offensive game plan. Like just the, okay, good point. We, we saw a zombie out there. Elijah Collins rose from the dead. Where's he been for <laughs> five years? Who even knew he was still on the team? Five carries for 36 yards, only five carries. 
I don't get it. That that was so weird. And then I can't figure out Peyton Thorne. Uh, the stat line is not bad. 27 of 44, 221 yards. One touchdown, no picks. Jaden Reed had a nice day. Yeah, he did. But, like, I don't know. There's something also just with, like, I was the biggest Peyton Thorne believer. Oh, me too. And I, I still like him. Yeah. But there, I don't know. There just there needs to be more balance with the whole he offense. Need, for he him needs to, more help. He needs more help. I but, think so. You could get it from the running back room, maybe. And I felt like it was there yesterday, and they didn't do it. So weird. I think the overall coordinating out of Michigan State, it's they got the coordinate. They're, they're they co- the coordinate. Those their coordinators are uncoordinated right now. <laughs> so a couple other things I wanted to bring up: Chad Ryland hit two more field goals, twenty-four field goals in a row for Chad Ryland for Maryland. Then he did miss a fifty-yarder, so the streak is over. But great job so far this That's year. That's like Chad a regression of the mean over. Like eight years. Totally. They were so bad in field goals. Now he's just absolutely crushing uh, it. Maryland held Jacoby Winman to three tackles, no sacks. Look at this. Maryland has three out of four games in October at home. This is a team with momentum right now. They absolutely are. Yeah. I want to, okay, I wanted to point out one more thing. Loxley had a great quote after the game. He goes, Look, we can't control the refs, we can't control the calls. At some point, we'll earn enough respect, and we'll be able to take advantage of good calls or, or advantage of calls. He basically called out the refs and said, "You're calling it against us." There was one really bad call okay. in this game. Well, he, dude, that is ballsy. Oh yeah, isn't I, it? I like that. I do too. I, I just do. I, you just made me like Locks more than I ever have before. Not that I disliked him before. There's nothing really to dislike about locks like he looks like a jolly guy and and we love having him i i just can he makes the big 10 so much more fun. i agree yeah boy dude i mean because i can tell you one thing probably 12 of the other 13 coaches in the big 10 agreed with that comment if sure. not all of them yeah wow that's amazing all right you got anything else no we can move on with the win maryland, maryland moves to four and one with the loss michigan state drops to a disappointing two and three Next game up, our only game in the evening might have been, I think, our most entertaining game. Yeah. Nebraska 35, Indiana 21. The Huskers with 385 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers 290 yards. Shout out to Mickey Joseph for getting his first win as the Nebraska head coach. This was Nebraska's first win over an FBS team in 364 days. Are you serious? They were one day shy of going one full calendar year without beating an FBS team. An FBS team. North Dakota is the only team they beat since Northwestern last year until they won this game. And by the way, Vegas knowing that and having the cojones to make them a touchdown favorite, just short of a touchdown favorite, those desert people, man. Wow. They're scary. Um, Okay, great game. I love that this is like this new rivalry, which Nebraska seems to be good at at starting new rivalries, don't they? Yes. <laughs> that they have replaced wins with just starting makeshift rivalries with anybody in the big. You don't even have to be in the Big Ten, really. But it's 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 almost hard to find a team that they're not a rival with at this point. Like at least in the West, I think it's. Seem- I think there's still chumminess with Ohio State. Because of the 2020 season. Okay. They, there, there was some symbiotic going there. Yeah, maybe. Because they fought to, to play football. <laughs> Other than that, they hate everybody. <laughs> Refs are against them. Other coaches are against them. Yeah. But but because it's a rivalry, I no, and I don't – they probably take this the wrong way, Nebraska fans, but 
I'm sure they're happy. Like they they wanted to beat Tom Allen. They hate oh, they oh, hate I, I, Tom Allen. So I don't think that's a question whatsoever. They're happy. Yeah, right they're now. they're very happy. Um, speaking of happy, Trey Palmer should be happy. Eight catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. They had that 71 yard bomb for a touchdown. Uh, I think it was to start the fourth quarter out. Um, Casey Thompson. I don't know if you saw this. It, it, the stat line was pretty good. I mean, yeah. 18 to 27, 275, 270 yards, one, two touchdowns and a pick. He got pulled though. And yeah. whew, uh, he caught it earful from his offensive coordinator mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Um, and because it's Nebraska fans, I, if this would have happened to any other team, I probably wouldn't have seen it. Even Iowa. Right. But there's like, there must be like a feed on the Nebraska sideline that Nebraska fans comb through or something. I don't know, but it wasn't the broadcast. It okay. was a different broadcast. Really? Okay. And they just followed Casey Thompson as as uh, Mark Whipple is just in his ear. Okay. And so, it was after he took a bad sack. Well, so then what happens? Is Purdy comes in and he and, fumbles in the end zone. And Purdy going to Purdy? Look just like his older brother. He did look just like his older brother. Oh my goodness! I didn't even think about that. So the problem is, is after he Purdy's bad, you know what Purdy's do the next play? They Purdy good. Yeah, they're he pretty good. Left him out there for one more series. He probably would have done something amazing. He should have. No. Um, team rushing, not great. Uh, Fifty-one carries, one hundred and fifteen yards, two point three yard average. But but Casey Thompson took six negative plays for negative thirty-two yards. Mm. How about this? The Nebraska offensive line. Four sacks given up okay. and eight tackles for loss. Wow. 12 plays behind the line of scrimmage. And they still had 385 yards of offense. That's kind of impressive in a way. Teddy Prohoshka has been out for the season for a couple weeks now. Turner Corcoran needs to just be out indefinitely <laughs> for undisclosed reasons. They are doing whatever. I, I I don't think I'm saying anything. I, I know we try to stay away from individual yeah. land, but I, I apologize. But I'm not the only one to say it, I okay. guess, is what I would say. The entire offensive line, uh, I, went, I at some point in the game, I tweeted to GBR Johnny or Johnny. I can't remember. Uh, okay. Sorry, but I'm like, oh, are, yeah. you go, are you going in? Because he was at the game. Like, okay. That's how thin the offensive line is looking right now. With that being said, they still put up a lot of, of yards, but there are sacks and pressures to be had against the, the Nebraska offensive line right now. No, this was kind of, was this a battle of the two worst offensive lines in the Big Ten? It might have been. Yeah. Which I think is part of the reason I took the under and it hit. Shout out to Mickey Joseph for sitting on the ball at the end of the game. All right. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, um, so yeah, just to focus on Indiana for a second here. You know, they don't have a whole lot going. They can't run the ball. Sean Shivers had nine carries for 25 yards against, you know, let's, uh, not a very good Nebraska defense. So what do they do? And this is what they do every game. They have to. They have no choice. They got to try to be Purdue, but they can't be Purdue. So Connor Basilek, I think you already mentioned the stats, but 22 of 44. You could just count up. He's, he's going to throw at least 40 passes a game. That's what they're. That's what they kind of have to do because they they're to. having so much. I the thing is, dude, is I, I do love Shifty Sean Shivers. I, I no, I do too. I think he's good. It's just, and I believe the offensive coordinator deserves credit for everything that they're to to have had as much success with this offensive line. If they had the same coordinating crew as they did last year, they might be over in the season. That was a right call yeah. from for Tommy Allen yes. to bring in this new staff. It it is doing all it can. By the way, Indiana also down their two best receivers yeah. going into this game too. With that being said, I do think Nebraska's defense deserves a little bit of a shout out. Like the rumor is that 
essentially they took away half of the calls and plays. They're basically just oh, like, we really? are vanilla in this thing okay. down so players can get the signals. I do think they've looked a little bit better. Um, Hope Springs Eternal in Lincoln once again. I mean, once it was 7 nothing, I'm like, oop. Oh, Nebraska fans looking at looking at orbits, seeing yep. if there's some you know uh, hotels ready in Indianapolis. Nebraska fans should enjoy the hell out of this game. Every win should be should be cherished yes. in the Big Ten. I don't know how good this Indiana team is. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the record winds up being after rolling out three three wins to start the year. Hey, they got one good win under the belt. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And a team we're going to break down a little bit. With the win, Nebraska moves to two and three with the loss. Indiana falls to three and two. Now it's time, Kurt. The Big Ten game of the week was not. Illinois, 34. Wisconsin, 10. The Fighting Illini with 304 yards of total offense. Pretty good. The most shocking stat. The Badgers with two. 108 yards. Oh, that's not the most shot. We'll get to that. Okay, of total offense. Um, you want to start? So, I guess first of all, the one thing that I just that I kept thinking, the one thing we kept saying at my house as I had some friends over watching the game, the thing I kept seeing on Twitter from Illini fans is this is how we're used to getting treated when we go up to to Camp Randall. Right. And now we're doing the training. Uh, and, you know, out of the gate, they moved right down the field, Wisconsin did. Looked like Swiss, going through Swiss cheese. Because, you know, very good Illinois defense. We know that. And I'm like, here we go again. Down seven zip, Illinois outscored them 34 to three the rest of the game. I looked it up because I was curious. Okay. The 34 points is the most points Illinois scored against Wisconsin in total going back to 2018. Oh, my Lord. 2020, zero points. 2027 points. 2019, 24 points. So that's 31 points total they've scored. The last three years coming into this game, they scored 34 points, and almost all of it was in the second half. Wow. You want to talk about a dam breaking. My my question is, what dam broke on what side? <laughs> we had two different dams break, one in a positive way. Well, I'll tell you one dam that does not break is the... Illinois defensive line is so freaking good. The only thing I can they say bad active. The only bad thing I can say about their defensive line is their tackles take all the snaps. They do not go to depth. It is a it's a thin Illinois team across the board. Yep. But as of right now, they are leading a charmed life. It seems to be Illinois here. I mean, yes. It is there are things that are looking to make it Yes, but Things that happen to make it feel magical seem to be happening. Okay, Staying so, healthy would be one of them. Yep. Five sacks that Illinois had on the game versus two for Wisconsin. Another thing, I keep talking, I keep gaining more confidence in the wide receiver room for Illinois. Now we have Brian Hightower showing up. Who, that's the guy I thought the last two years was probably going to be the best wide receiver. He was nowhere to be found. Suddenly... He looks like a threat. Like, like Took him off the back of the milk carton and said, you want to join in and have some fun with so us? So you got him, you got Pat Bryant, you got Isaiah Williams. Is it crazy to say this is a top half wide receiver room? Not top half all. of the Big Ten? Not at all. And this is, we. I was scared to death in the offseason about how bad this wide receiver room could be. Looking good. Something that, I don't know about scared me to death, but did, so I, I picked Illinois to cover here. And... 
I felt good about it. I put shekels on Illinois in the points early because I, 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 and I, I have no I, proof, but I would have picked them to cover as well, okay. but also lose the game again. Like that's not a bet against Wisconsin. It was a bet on having faith versus uh, faith on Illinois. Um, I didn't know for sure who would win this game. Right. Um, I did not think it would look like this. One of the reasons that I thought it wouldn't look like this is because Illinois had shown bits of leakiness stopping rushing attacks. Is that fair? Uh, not not so much an entire rushing attack, but like there's been two running backs that Illinois has gone against that have had success, two yeah. or three. Okay. And I'm just like, okay, I know this is a this is a mediocre in Wisconsin terms offensive line, but it's still decent and Braylon Allen is still great. These rushing totals like that was long story short. That's what made me nervous for Illinois winning this game. Is mm-hmm. like, what happens if Wisconsin just finally says it is time for us to start running sure. downhill? Yep. That's what I thought we would see. Twenty-four carries for two yards. How many is that? Zero point one yard average. It's actually zero. It's point zero eight three 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 three. So, oh my gosh. So, so <laughs> stats and info will, will round it up to 0.1. They do, yeah. It's actually less than 0.1. Okay. I mean, Braylon Allen was. He had eight carries for two yards on the day. Braylon I, Allen and Che, che Malusi, Che Louis, as we like to call him, he was their leading rusher. Seven carries for 16 yards. I, I mean, the Graham Mertz stat line was what you'd expect 17 to 32, 206 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. He, by the way, he's just so up and down. He'll he'll complete a third and fourteen pass where you're like unbelievable frozen rope, and then turn around and be like, where where was he throwing? Well, that one interception. I mean, you, you sort of you flush him out of the pocket, and like anything could happen. Anything. You have no idea. And like he goes back and forth between having the right read and the wrong throw, or the wrong read and the right throw that goes right to the defense. I I don't. He I don't, must I be can't. incredibly frustrating if you're. Wisconsin fan. Here's what's not frustrating if you're an Illini fan. Illini football defense FBS ranks. Number one scoring defense. Number one pass efficiency defense. Number three total defense. Number three rushing defense. Number 12 in interceptions and number 15 in sacks. Out of 131 teams. You know what? I think it was Locks Mafia. I wish I knew this. I ranked Illinois in front of Maryland last week and took exception to it. This week, he's like, man, actually, I watched Illinois. I get it. Okay. Well, well look at that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was. But, like, my here's my here's my quote. P- fans that besmirch Illinois, you know what they all have in common? They haven't played Illinois yet. And they haven't watched Illinois. At all. So, I'm going to point this out, and this is a positive, a little bit of a positive. It's a lot of a negative, though. These are all Lovey's players. There is barely anyone getting a snap that was recruited there are some. There are guys that are getting snaps, but this is Lovey's team. I mean, is this the greatest poop in a group example we've ever had for how much difference a team can look I, when a coach I, takes over? We saw the Shiano one. That was kind of, that set the bar, but this is because it immediately it looked like a different team, but this is way better than that. Especially where it's gone in the second year. Correct. Um, this ties in perfectly for DS and I talked on releasing the podcast on Wednesday where I said, this has the potential to be two shifts passing each other in the night with one potentially sinking and one heading into port feeling great. It does. And right now, are we being dramatic when we talk about 
how nasty things are in Madison. Like, we have not seen, like, a, 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 a Wisconsin account tweeted out, worst Badger loss since, and I replied back, pre-Barry. You think we, we, so? I mean, there was... It, because if any game were... Uh, wasn't that long, but I, I will give you a... It's been 20 years. What I'm saying is... They got boat raced by Indiana one they time. They got boat like, raced by Ohio... Okay, Indiana. Indiana, okay. like 2001, 2003, somewhere around there, got boat raced. Okay. <laughs> I thought like I said, 20 years. Okay. Um, like, they got boat raced versus Ohio State just last week and in the Big Ten Championship. But, like, I think the implication of that question is, when's the last time Wisconsin has gotten boat raced by... I'm sorry, but... Not a established blue blood inside. Yeah, sure. Like I think that's implied in. Right. It's been it's a, been a long. It's been a long time. It's been a tick. I mean, but it's, it's a good. That was a good conversation, by the way. I listened to that that podcast. By the way, you've got another listener. Yeah, thank since you. I thank know, you. Since I don't do the Wednesday shows, um, but that was a good conversation. And one thing I also wanted to point out: Illinois still had eight penalties, but the penalties were different in this game. They weren't killers. Like there's in other games, they've been absolute momentum right. killers and. It, it was almost like every time they get a penalty, I'm like, that's not that big of a deal. Yep. It was weird. I, I mean, I just felt like Illinois was in con- – I was actually shocked to see the stats and the, and especially the time of possession. It felt like the time of possession was better for Illinois watching the game. I don't know. And I, I, I explained that. Yeah, but like, it did. It was only like 33 to 27 difference. Or it was really close. Uh, thir- yeah, 34 to 26 is okay. what it ended up being. So, like, pretty close with their – like. This is one of those where the stats aren't aren't indicative of how the game went. But long story short, like this was the story of the day. It it, it was a combination of Brett Bielma. He got emotional after the game. Wife and daughters come up and hug him. Um, first time being back in Camp Randall. So like, I just can't believe that the the divergence that we have here because Wisconsin fans were already feeling aggressively low. Yeah. Even before this game, like they didn't feel good. Uh, after Washington State, they didn't. They felt awful versus Ohio State, and basically, it's like now in comes our ex coach. Yeah, like I just can't believe it all timed out like this. And and I'm not saying I'm fully on the fire Paul Chris no, deal, but but like, I'm starting to at least listen to yes. Because and even last week, I had a Wisconsin fan reach out to me and said, "Is it time to fire Paul Chris?" I'm like, "Are you are, you got to be kidding, right?" Now at least like. Eh, all right. We can at least entertain the notion, but still, I I don't think that's something you can we at least go through the season. He's made enough deposits yes. in the bank of Badger yes. to keep his job, but if But you can you if, see things if they go five and seven. I know. Miss a bull. Like, I think he keeps his job. I but do too. I tell you what. But you is, have to it st- is ratcheted down pressure. Yes, for sure. So like like I don't know what Vegas's win total right now is for Wisconsin, but it's right on the line of making a ball. Got to be or not? Absolutely. With the win, Illinois moves to four and one. With the loss, Wisconsin falls to two and three. So I told you I wanted to have just a little bit of fun with you. Yeah, but just one more okay, thing. Okay. I just want to point out that Tommy DeVito played good football, not great football. Only 167 yards, 18 to 24. But he did what he needed to do, which is not make mistakes and run the offense. That's all I want from a quarterback. And and you called, you begged for it back in August. Yes. You've gotten it, and this is what it looks like. Yes. And, and and again, like, DeVito's stats match up to all the stats in the game, which is you thought they would look better, but they're sneaky good stats. Yes. Yep. All right, so to have a little fun with you. Um, you got a buddy, Pete? Yes. 
Okay. Really good childhood friend of yours. Yep. I've only hung out with him a couple times, but one yep. time we hung out was last year. Okay. Uh, it was the Ohio State Minnesota game where he was up for that. Oh, that's game. right. Yeah. I, that's right. Yeah. So uh, me, you, and him imbibed quite a bit. A little bit. Before the game. Um, at one point, you left to go get beers yep. and you were gone for. A long time. Okay. <laughs> I think you worked in a trip to the bathroom, had to wait in the in the line. So Pete and I were just getting to know each other. Okay. You know, and I don't know if I've told you this before, but he's like, hey, what do you think of my buddy, Kurt? You know, <laughs> and we talked about the complicated nature sure. that is Kurt. Yeah. And basically his quote was, um, Kurt has an innate ability to torture himself at the perfect time. And I just keep thinking about the fact that the one year that you half step away from the podcast I mean, it's, it's, is the year Illinois. I mean, it's. I, I do have an uncanny way of. My timing's impeccable in that way, right? <laughs> and I swear to God, when you said, I can't do it, I, I got to take Wednesdays off. Yeah. I'm like, I swear to you, Kurt. That had in to... my mind, I went, Illinois is going to go nine and three. And year. you were right to think that. And I, I, I didn't, I can't believe I didn't even think about that. I wanted to wait until Illinois got a couple sure. more L's or wins underneath their belt to give it to you. But anyways, I hope you didn't take too much offense to that. No, but... um, Pete and I got to know each other that day. It was hilarious. And also, funny, I wanted to give this to you for the last two weeks. Oh, okay. And I just kept forgetting, but now it works out. Oh, perfect timing. Ah. That's the Amador Rye. There right she there. is. Our, right our, there. Friends, our friends at the Amador Whiskey Company actually gave that to me a couple weeks ago. I just forgot to give it to you. And so. Amador, I just want to point out that this is... This has replaced the Shard as my favorite. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. I do like, I enjoy the port the most now. This is their, the rye yep. finished in port barrels. Yep. I love this one. It's fantastic. Yep. So there you go. Look at this weekend you're having there. Yeah. That might not look as appealing because of your fun that you had yourself last night, but. A little bit. I didn't go start. too crazy, Good. but. Good for you. Yeah. What a weekend you had, huh, buddy? I like uh, to see other people happy when I can't. You know, and, and it, okay, one more thing before we sign off here. I just had this feeling Getting out of my car, walking into the downstairs athletic club, it was a feeling I can't describe, but it's a feeling of fandom, of satisfaction, you know. And But I identified the feeling, and I hadn't felt it since I was a young, young man, <laughs> about Illinois football. Like a, I'm not even sure, like a little bit of a confidence, a little bit of pride. Maybe pride was the word. I don't know. So you're saying you haven't had, you haven't had pride since you were a child? Well, since 2001, <laughs> somewhere around there. Um, dude, I just think of so many conversations where, like, during the love years, and, oh, and you'd boy. be like, wait, what's, what's, you'd just be like, what's, 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 what's the hope for a, a guy like me? What's the hope for Illinois? And I kept saying, you have to back me up here. I'm like, yeah. Kurt, one good coaching hire. Yeah. And, and Illinois could be, oh, that's, no, no, impossible. I'm like, Kurt, <laughs> You're not. I, do you know how many times I'm like, I don't really think you're that far away from Iowa and Minnesota. You know, like you're you're really. Yep. Close. And you were like, no, no, no. One good hire. Yeah. Shout out to Tracy, by the way. Tracy Williamson, T Dub, T Dubs. Yeah. He hated the hire of Beetle. Oh, got. that's right. And he and I'm like, but he gives me so much credit. He's like, Jeff called it. Jeff called it. <laughs> but <laughs> so he also it. Tracy admitted there was like a time I remember him. I'm pretty sure it was him that tweeted on Twitter. Look. I'm admitting it. I was wrong about. Oh, Bielema. he's done it multiple yeah. times now. So shout out to him. But yeah. um, and then our guy Kingfisher. Oh, he's the best. Combining. I, I I asked if 
if if if I needed uh, eyeballs on either Kingfisher or Big Dogs winners, yep. if they're running around some neighborhood somewhere naked, yep. you know, like streaking somewhere. And the next video I got was Kingfisher combining, yep. playing Illinois fight song, dancing, you know, like not an Illinois fan. Okay. I, you know, like definitely not going to be an Illinois fan next week, by the way, Ice Bowl next week. Oh yeah. Um, um, but, uh, you know, it's fun seeing fans come out of the woodwork and enjoy their, you know, everybody deserves some, their time in the sunshine. I'm going to set a goal personally. I want to go to an Illini sporting event with Kingfisher someday. That's my goal. I don't know if I'm going to join you, but I would like to hear the stories. <laughs> How's that? I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.